classroom setting. It's me sharing the vision and the life that God has given me with them so that they have a heart for winning people to the Lord. So they have a desire to communicate uh, an intercessory prayer for other people. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the nuts and bolts of group discipleship. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. Thanks again for joining us today. Uh, we are looking forward to kind of getting into some more practical things. We started last week talking about the practical side of discipling a new believer um, and the where and when and the how to do that. We talked quite a bit about how we try to keep that on a one-on-one basis. Um, it can be in a public place or in a home or um, whatever the person is comfortable with. We talked about some practical things um, with keeping that person comfortable, getting rid of distractions that kind of stuff. So if you have not listened to last week's episode and you're interested in that, um, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. Um, But on today's episode, we're going to be talking more about a classroom setting um, and when we transition from one-on-one discipleship meetings into a more um, formal kind of classroom setting. Again, we talked a little bit about keeping it out of the academic and keeping it based on spiritual teaching because spiritual things are discerned spiritually. So when we say classroom setting, we aren't saying that it's academic. Um, we're not talking about, uh, you know, having a Bible college class on Bible doctrine one and getting them credits for it and all that kind of stuff. That's not what we're talking about. Um, we're just talking about a group setting. So, um, pastor Stewart, thanks for joining me. God bless you. And we're looking forward to kind of getting into some of this stuff. So, um, if you would just kind of describe, if you would, uh, how you go about transitioning a person from that private one-on-one meeting and introducing them to this classroom idea, okay. and then also how how do you um, you know how big is a class? Okay, uh, the cl- the first classroom setting that we're going to see a, a new disciple or a new believer uh, come to is what we call our essential ministry tools, or we or we shorten that to EMT. Uh, these are personal individual tools that they are going to need to minister to other people in discipleship, but just in fulfilling the Great Commission. And so we'll cover things like uh, how to lead somebody to the Lord, how to present the gospel to somebody. Really basic uh, introductory understanding of how this person. So we will start this person in the class after they've completed lesson six. Anytime after lesson six and foundations one, uh, they are so eligible. they're still meeting with you or somebody one on one. Correct, but they're also starting in this classroom. They can, and that depends on the church and how often we can offer this class, how many people we have. Uh, early stages. What I a lot of times what would happen is we would finish foundations one, and then I might have one or two people. So then I just meet with them, kind of like I met with them one on one. But now I meet with them one, and, and it's two or three of them, and we're meeting in a restaurant or we're meeting somewhere. So it's not like an official class. It's just a uh, a meeting that we set up every week with all four of us or three of us or whatever the mm-hmm. case is. But So the EMT can be taught at any point, but we generally don't start somebody in that until they've gotten through lesson six in our 
Foundations 1 class, which, which is, is all of Lessons 1 through 6 is covering how they communicate with God, what their relationship with God okay. is. And we want to make sure they are solid in their understanding and, and they're practicing the you know prayer, they're practicing their Bible reading, those kinds of things before we start introducing them. But we don't want to wait too long to introduce them to how to lead somebody to the Lord because those early those early months are when they have the most contact with the lost world. Mm-hmm. But we want to give them a little time to to let the world that they live in see that they are a new creature as well. Mm-hmm. And so we want to give them a little bit of time. And so it takes a couple months to usually get to that point. And then if this class is being offered at that time, and again, that's as a pastor, you're just looking and seeing how many people need it. Uh, when can we do this? This class can be, a, like I said, a meeting where you meet, uh, you know, just two or three people. If you've got five or six or, or more, uh, you could take a, if you have a teacher available that's uh, capable of teaching it, you could do this during and offer it as a, you know, Sunday school class. EMT takes uh, different groups. It's going to take different times, but we usually can do it in 12 to 18 weeks. Uh, and teach all of the material in that time frame. And so you could set it up as a temporary Sunday school class for these people and do it then. Uh, You could do it on a Sunday night. Again, if the pastor's doing it and he's preaching, he can't do it on a Sunday night during the service. But you could do it if if you have people that are ready for this class. As a uh, side note, if you have another man uh, in the church that could teach it. Also, you could do it on a Wednesday night. I mean, you could do it really any time. You can teach a group of people and put it together, and it works into your schedule. But like I, like uh, Simeon, you were saying, the the key is that this is spiritually discerned stuff. We're not looking to teach this so they have a head full of knowledge. Mm-hmm. We want their head full of knowledge so that it affects their heart. And so the way we teach that is much different than just teaching it to for them to fill in blanks and and have notes and and understand and know and be able to intellectually explain it and so we're looking to teach this stuff to them so they actually go out and do it and 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 understand the importance of it and, and putting it into practice in their life now let me let me hammer down on that a little bit how do you keep a spirit of discipleship in a group setting like you do in a private setting so that it's not academic one of the things I've generally done is I don't stand at a podium. I know that's real practical, and, I, and, and I'm sure some, some men can do that probably and still accomplish it. Mm-hmm. What I've done is I usually set up tables, and you know, depending on the size, and I try and keep that one-on-one. We sit across from a table. I try and keep that kind of idea, and you know, we'll set the tables up in a U shape or you know, in a, in a long shape, depending on how many people. But I want to keep that sitting at a table. I'm not the lecturer, but I'm the one that's just simply sharing with coming alongside you and sharing. And so I keep that mindset that I'm coming alongside these people and just basically telling them what God's taught me what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, let me share with you what I've been taught to do so that he can teach it to you from the scriptures like he's taught it to me. And now we can do that. And so a lot of it is sharing of from the instructing standpoint and the, and the discipling standpoint, even in a classroom setting, it's me sharing the vision and the life that God has given me with them so that they have a heart for 
winning people to the Lord. So they have a desire to communicate uh, an intercessory prayer for other people. So we teach them how to intercede in prayer. Uh, we'll teach them how to fast because that's an individual thing. It can be done collectively, but you've got to individually know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so we'll teach the, what the scripture says and when you fast and, and how you fast. But then we also teach in that lesson some practical things. You don't want to start a 40-day fast uh, abruptly. Mm -hmm. You want to work yourself into it. Uh, you also don't want to come out of a 40-day fast abruptly. You want to, you know, or a long, any long period of fasting, you want to work yourself in. And then there's some practical things about uh, if your body's not digesting food, uh, it, it's not creating heat, and so you can get cold easy. So you might want to drink hot tea or hot water or, or liquids to kind of help keep your body temperature up. Just some practical things that uh, that we found. But the, the most of the lesson is what does the scripture say? What is the scriptural parameters of fasting and why do we do it? We go into uh, a greater understanding of of uh, the Great Commission, and we review with them the Great Commission in more depth than we've done yet be up to this point. Uh, get why? Because we we want them to fulfill the Great Commission. That's what Christ has called us to do, mm -hmm. and so that's what Christ came to do. We're supposed to be Christ-like, so we want to see Christ formed in them. Right. And the Great Commission is a is a group effort, and so I don't see a problem teaching it in a group setting. Absolutely. And then we also want to give them a greater understanding of discipleship. They've experienced it now for, you know, four or five months up to a year. Uh, and so now we want them to see discipleship. And so we'll go through what we call the ABCDs of discipleship and, and just kind of give them a bigger picture of what they've been involved in. But they get a little bit more behind the scenes understanding of discipleship. But at this point, they should be coming to the end of their uh, foundations one or have finished that at that point. And so we want them to understand why you're doing discipleship and how that fits into the overall ministry of the church and how this is what Christ has left for us to do. And so we kind of give them that basic understanding of discipleship as well. And so there's a few other lessons we teach in there, but that's a general uh, taste of what covers an EMT, which is the first classroom setting. But again, I'm not looking for this to be a huge class. I'm not putting 100 people in here. We're putting this across the table in a setting where, you know, I probably wouldn't go more than 10, 12, maybe 15, depending on uh, the situation. But mm -hmm. uh, I want to keep it intimate. I want to keep it uh, close. Uh, this can be mixed. So we have men and women in this class together. Um, again, I'm not going to teach a class of two ladies by myself. Sure. Uh, uh, so I'm, I'm going to make sure the composition of that class has mm -hmm. at least their husbands in there or my wife is in there or uh, at least a couple other people are in that classroom again. And so, but that's the classroom setting. And we, again, are looking for them to take what God is teaching them in this case and put it into action. But we can do that more in a classroom setting with this as we move forward. How interactive is this class as far as people engaging, asking questions, um, putting an in input? Good question. Um, I found some of my classes are very interactive and some of them are very quiet. And so I have to draw it out of them. But it's open for interaction at least. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I tell them right out of the gate that, uh, you know, I want you to engage. If you have a question, don't hesitate to ask. Uh, let's do it in an orderly fashion. 
uh, let's not, you know, let's be courteous of other people if they're talking. But outside of that, I, you know, I kind of remind them of little courtesies. But other than that, it's, I, you know, I encourage rabbit trails. We covered an episode of that just a while back. Uh, I encourage rabbit trails. So if somebody does uh, have a question or we may look at a verse and, and it may spur a question in their mind, well, that's what God's dealing with them about. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to remind them or give them a more <coughs> a more full uh, understanding from the scriptures as to what it is that that teaching is. So I've had times where we've gotten two or three points in, and our rabbit trail took the rest of the hour that we had. Uh, but again, I don't I don't have a problem with that as long as it's what teaching them them God's word. It's it's helping them to move forward. Because a lot of times if one person asks it, guess what? Other people in the room are just not willing to ask it. Right. And it might it might kind of help with the rewording of some of your material or, you know, something sure. like that. Point out some things that you might need to tweak or change. Um, sure. So, yeah, no, that, that that's good. They That classroom setting for me um, ha- is always kind of an intimidating thing if I was going to be teaching it because um, – if you're thinking of it as an academic exercise, I was never one who liked being in school. I certainly didn't want to teach in a class. Okay, so sure. Um, but it, since it's not, I and mean, you're keeping it out of the academic world and purely in trying to teach things that are spiritually discerned, um, and like you said, you may have people that are at different stages of their personal discipleship, their one-on-one discipleship, sure. that are in this room um, all together. So some of these might have had eight or nine lessons in and some of them just got there they're on lesson six and you know so there's a little bit more of a mixture so the rabbit trail can be benefit beneficial to the guy who's on lesson six because he's never even thought of that before but the guy who's on lesson nine ten eleven he's a little bit further along has been doing his own personal bible study and might have some questions that he needs to hear that he may not think of on his own for a while and so um, yeah, I, I think that's good. The what are some of the challenges of teaching in a classroom? I, I keep saying classroom, but in a group setting um, that you wouldn't have in a in a one on one discipleship setting. For me, and again, I, I know every teacher and every discipler is going to be different. Uh, I I have to rely on the Holy Spirit more in a group setting because. When a question comes up, let's say a question comes up and it has to do with doctrine. Once that can is opened, it I've seen it go far down a, a rabbit trail that isn't necessarily bad, but it's one that I may not have studied for 10, 15 years. I mean, it may bring up some information that I studied 10 or 15 years ago, and now mm-hmm. I'm having to uh, rely completely on the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance the things that, uh, that he's taught me about this stuff because I, I didn't review it. I didn't prepare for that for that class. And then one person builds on another. And so there have been a couple of times that it's been a challenge, and I have to either just say, you know what, I, I can't answer that thoroughly right now, or I can give a general answer but I can't show you in the scripture right now, but next week when we start, we'll cover this. And so that's a challenge because that's tough. 
but I don't want to scare away anybody from doing this because the Holy Spirit is faithful. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I had no clue when the question is being asked. I had no clue how I was going to answer it. And within a couple of seconds of that and me praying and saying, Lord, you promised I need your help. He brings to remembrance a verse or a passage. And then I'm able to uh, answer that question thoroughly from the scripture because not because I'm smart, not because I have a great memory, uh, but because I have a great God and I have a great Holy Spirit who does his job when it's his time to do it and when we look to him and rely on him. The other challenge is is that sometimes people slip through the cracks mm-hmm. in, a, in a group setting that they wouldn't if it was one-on-one. And so that's why I want to keep the class uh, the group size down. I don't want to get too large. Uh, even if... Like, for instance, hopefully we'll get to the point where we will need to be offering this and I'll have a different one starting every quarter. I mean, that's what I kind of look forward to one day. But I'm going to need four or five men that are going to be able to teach this because I'm not going to be able to teach it uh, you know, regularly or mm-hmm. faithfully all of those times. Now, let me say this. Uh, when it comes to the Great Commission one, uh, no matter who I have teaching the lesson as the pastor, I like to teach that lesson, even if I don't teach the rest, because uh, that one allows me to cast a vision uh, in the heart of these new believers that are coming in and new members of the church and help them to grasp this full picture. And I can get a sense of where they're at and they Mm -hmm. can get a sense of the heart that God and the vision that God has given to me and to the rest of the church for fulfilling the Great Commission. So that one, even if I had another man teaching, I would do everything I could to when they got to that point to come in and be the substitute teacher, but to teach that lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would have the teacher still sit in because I want them to be refreshed and renewed in those same things. Because next week or the week after or whatever, after we do that, um, and that could take us a couple weeks to do that lesson, um, I wouldn't want them to be ignorant of what we covered. Mm-hmm. So they would be able to speak to, you know, well, this is what the pastor said, or this is why the pastor explained it this way. So, but uh, that's uh, that's our EMT or essential ministry tools. It's dealing with individual tools uh, for the individual believer to be able to get more involved in the in participating in the work of the ministry. So let me ask you this, and 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 if you could answer it for the private discipleship as well as for the group discipleship, but what materials and tools are you typically bringing with you to do that discipling? So, uh, you know, when you're dealing with somebody one-on-one, you might just bring a lesson in a Bible. Maybe you've got something else. I'm not sure what you bring. In a classroom setting, I'm thinking because your questions may be coming from different angles that you may want to have some things, uh, quick access type available tools. What kind of things are you using? Um, the primary tool I use now to disciple, I, when I first started, I would have my notes, my physical paper notes uh, with each lesson. I would bring a uh, copy of those notes to give to the disciple. Uh, and so I give them, if we're starting lesson one, I will bring lesson one and hand that to them at the beginning. We may not get through all of it, but uh, I just encourage them to uh, not go beyond and just review what we've covered. If they do, you know, it's not going to hurt them. But uh, they may not understand it as well. 
But then what I'm bringing is my paper copy of that lesson that'll have, you know, maybe some extemporaneous notes of a word that I found that I needed to define or something like that. But then I, and like a, when I first started, I would bring my Bible and I would turn in my Bible. Now I have gone to using my iPad and I use my electronic Bible. And the primary reason for that is if they ask a question, I can use that search uh, aspect and I can immediately find those references uh, that I might need, uh, that verse that the Holy Spirit's reminding me of, but I don't remember the, the address. I can do a quick word search and in the scriptures <clears throat> and then I can have access to that. My app also has uh, the Greek and Hebrew Strong's mm -hmm. definitions uh, and Strong's concordance numbers and all that. So I can actually look up the meaning of a word on the spot. And I found that to be helpful. Is it necessary? No. Uh, do you need an electronic device to, to do discipleship? No. You need a Bible and you need your notes. And I always remind them that when I hand them these notes, I said, these notes are not important except for the fact that they point us to important stuff in the scripture. Mm -hmm. So I want them to know that this program or this this notes, these papers, these lessons, they their only importance is, is that they put us in remembrance and they give us a, a structured order yeah. to understanding the scripture. What's important is that you have the scripture. Mm -hmm. And so those are the tools that I'd bring, whether it's a classroom, uh, and I found that in the classroom, it's very helpful to have that search option because my memory isn't that great, but the Holy Spirit will bring back to memory the teaching or the truth mm -hmm. or the verse, and then I can do a quick search. And with those tools, I can usually within a moment or two uh, find that verse and then have everybody turn there, and then we can dig into explaining that verse yeah. as well. Obviously, that's not going to be a young believer. Uh, that's going to be somebody that's more mature, that's going to be able to teach at that level. But that's what we're shooting for, for mm -hmm. everybody to get to that level, to be able to teach. Yeah, I'm just thinking it would be nice if you had the lessons that they were being taught individually, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, at least quickly accessible. Just so that if somebody asks a question, you can say, well, do you guys remember when we talked about this? Sure. In this lesson, and then be able to quickly pull it up and you know show them yeah. or whatever. I do. I do have those lessons available through a electronic form on my iPad, or, or my even phone. if you don't, you could print so, them out and have them in a notebook or something that you bring with you. And, but early on, I had a notebook that I carried with all of my lessons for lessons, you know, one through sixteen, and I would bring all of them in one folder mm -hmm. that I would have access to. So yes, that's a good idea. That's a good point. So. You said earlier that in a group setting that you have to rely more on the Holy Spirit to help you to answer questions um, because questions are inevitable when you've got a group of people. Somebody's going to ask a question and it may not be something that's off the top of your head. Would you say that you have to be more careful about the wording and how you answer a question when you're in a group setting than you would in a one-on-one -on -one setting because you can't people can't gauge your um, your inflection and your facial expressions and that kind of thing as well, and you can't gauge theirs in a public setting? I think that's a fair assessment. I, I, the only caveat I want to add to that is I, I want to be very careful how I word things anytime. Mm -hmm. 
because I want to make sure that I'm not misleading. And, and as a pastor, we have the responsibility that everything we say needs to become sound doctrine according to what God says in Titus. And so that means we don't have the liberty to speak um, in a way that isn't sound doctrine. Now, that doesn't mean we can't ever make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Because if that was the case, I wouldn't be qualified. But it means that I do my very best and I take due diligence <coughs> to when I answer a question that I don't just contemplate or throw out something that I don't know is for sure is accurate and true. And so I don't have the liberty to just kind of have a casual conversation as a pastor with those that God has entrusted to me uh, about, well, you know, I wonder if this is the case or not. Uh, you know, I, I kind of, well, you know, you, you really don't have the liberty to do that according to Scripture as a pastor. Um, but uh, I, I do take liberty to be a very uh, transparent with people when I'm discipling them. If I don't know the answer, or if I do know the answer, sometimes I'll tell them, you know what? When you asked that question, I didn't have a clue how to answer that, but I prayed and asked the Holy Spirit. Because why? I want to teach them exactly what's happening in that moment and that's a powerful tool to help them understand because i don't want them to think pastor knows the answer to everything i mean every time i ask him a question bam 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 he takes us to a verse and we got an answer Mm -hmm. i want them to know that that the only reason i can do that is because i'm i'm listening to the holy spirit and the holy spirit is doing what he said he would do so here's a testimony in live action in front of you that god did this for me and he'll do it for you. So now that person is just right. encouraged and think, you know what, pastor's not this this being that God created on some planet and just dropped him on earth. Like a lot of people think pastors come from some planet that, you know, they didn't experience things like everybody else. Mm-hmm. No, I, I have to rely on the Holy Spirit just like you're going to have to. And so I try and be transparent to to a degree as well so that I don't give this impression that I, that, that I know everything. Uh, I know the one that knows everything, and he and I have a good relationship, but I don't know everything. And so as long as he's willing to give it to me, I'll share it with others. But uh, if he doesn't, I'll I'll pursue him and try and find the answer for you. Well, um, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about on this particular topic, um, the group discipleship? Uh, well, when we get to the second level of, of discipleship, the Foundations two level, that's also a classroom setting. Again, when we get to what we're teaching there, we're teaching uh, what is the character of a godly person, and, and what is, and we look at the example of a godly person that God leaves every church, and that's the pastor, and we look to the qualifications of a pastor to identify those. <clears throat> but we also cover, in more depth, we cover how do we win the victory over sin. And the and the and the and the old man and the and the new man and how do we experience that and so we take time early in those second lessons to really do a deep dive so that we make sure this person is given the tools from Scripture of how do you win that battle and how do you have victory and see continued victory because this person is moving towards a ministry to other people mm-hmm. and we want to see them solid in that relationship with God and we again want to visit those truths and then we get into how to study the Bible and uh, what are the rules uh, of a good Bible study the Bible God tells us in his word that we're to strive lawfully in this race 
And so we want to do that according to his rules and for him to help us to understand his word. And so we want to equip this new disciple, this new believer uh, that is now maybe a year or two in uh, to equip them to be able to study God's word for themselves. And so that's that level two is going to take a couple of years for us to get through generally. But we want to take our time. We want to do it in a classroom. Again, I want the numbers to not be too large. Uh, it'd be nice to be able to teach it to a bunch of people, but Christ didn't do that. And so if he didn't take large numbers, then uh, I'm not sure I could handle uh, more than he could handle mm-hmm. than that he chose to do. So he gave us a good example, and we need to follow that. So that's the classroom setting. Much of what applies to the EMT classroom setting teaching also applies to the Foundations 2 level. And again, Foundations 2, you could teach it at any time, but again, you're not going to want to teach that to somebody who hasn't been through at least level 1. And depending on the schedules, they don't necessarily have to have EMT, but we generally like to teach that first, uh, just so they have those individual tools for ministry before we start teaching them the other things that are coming level two. Sure. Okay, good. Well, I think we'll wrap up this episode there. And then next week, we kind of want to talk about a little bit about transitioning somebody from the point of being the disciple to being a discipler. So we'll talk about some more practical tips on how, um, I don't even want to really say the word tips, I guess, but more practical side of things on how that is accomplished um, through God's word and through the Holy Spirit's direction. So if you uh, would, if you could take a a few seconds just to um, like, share, subscribe, um, whatever your podcast outlet allows you to do. If you could take two seconds, a few seconds to do that, that would help us out immensely. Again, we don't receive any kind of income out of this, but we do just want to be a blessing to as many people as we can. So like, share, subscribe, um, let your friends know. Uh, word of mouth really is the best way that this stuff spreads. So um, let people know. We'd be more than happy to hear from you as well. If you'd like to reach out, we'll leave the information to do that in the sting. If you have any comments or suggestions of content to cover, um, please feel free to uh, drop us uh, a line that way. And uh, again, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we're going to be talking about the nuts and bolts of generational discipleship. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter, at General Order, the number 4. Please like, share, and subscribe.